And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the party, the Financial Fitness Friday party. Party! Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for the eternal optimism party. Tech KB Nasdaq's fifth straight day of gains. Benchmark S&P, fourth record of in a week I think the market's already blew, has blown away most Wall Street estimates at least on the low end and what should you do are you wrapped up in new highs beget new highs are you keeping a level head is that a dumb question <laughs> Danny the one thing I was telling Lance yesterday the one thing you and I gonna have to deal with People always benchmark their portfolio to the high point. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Like it's locked in like an annuity. Like, in other words, my high point was I had a 290000 and now it's two hundred and eighty-five, and I'm all upset. Well, So that benchmark risk, as I call it, in the new term of it, benchmark risk usually means not meeting your benchmark as mm-hmm. an advisor. <laughs> you have benchmark risk because you're looking at that high point. As your reference point, your new reference point is that high point in your portfolio. But you think somewhere in your brain, you hear it like it's locked in. It's called variable assets for a reason. Well, but it's not just that, right? You have to consider what other types of assets do you hold? Do you hold other asset classes that aren't just tied to the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ? What What are the bonds doing? And not only that, but... How many years has it been since we've been right back to where we are? I mean, we're oh, barely above it, right? It's been two years, it's basically over a flat two market. Years. It's been two years of a flat market. I know all this talk of new highs, new highs, new highs, but you're two years older. Um, but I'm saying your portfolio, regardless of what you hold, is probably still at a high. And what you got to do is you got to be careful of saying to yourself, that's my new emotional benchmark, and anything below that, I'm going to freak because it's time for you to freak. Right now, because at this period of the nadir of optimism, and it could go further, right? Momentum has a way of creating more momentum. That's fine. But understand the party ends, or at least the party cools down and people leave. And that benchmark that you set your brain to is going to change. Unless you sell everything today. And go to cash, which in the long term is a dumb decision. So you got to be, I think, through this period, just like when things are really getting, t- really taking it on the chin, managing your emotional state is very important. Do I believe the AI story, has, the narrative is very strong? Yeah. Do I think the whole Goldilocks narrative is strong? Yeah. Do I think everything combined together is incredibly strong narrative? Yeah. If everything falls perfectly into place and the Fed does what exactly what the market wants, and personally, I've been saying this, I don't see it. I don't see any rate cuts coming. 
I don't see why the Fed would have to cut rates. I don't know why the Fed would cut rates. I don't understand. It's my AOC. Well, I mean, GDP's been been rather strong. It's been resilient, right? Um, you've got PCE coming out this morning. I mean, the Fed's mm-hmm. biggest indicator they look at. I mean, what happens if PCE's hotter than they expect? They're yeah. not cutting in March. I mean, I think we know that at this point. No, here's the here's from John Authors in um, Bloomberg. Just 25 days into 2024, the S and P has already blown past the Wall Street consensus target for its performance for the end of this year. He compared in this article, uh, Nvidia, comparing it to Cisco Systems back in uh, 2000, where mm-hmm. it hit the peak. Right. He's making this comparison. And then the shares fell 89%. Listen, everything the market touches, everything that's new, the market gets all excited about. I can show you radio stocks. Brent got all excited. <laughs> Not today, Brent. They stink. We don't want to talk about radio stocks today. Yeah, yeah. Dead and buried. Radio stocks. Electric. Internet. Right? Sooner or later, the market just incorporates it swallows it up and it's just part of the overall day so ride the story ride the momentum Uh, understand that these expectations are rosy but what do i do danny as an investor i'm really happy about what's going on so far and i have people tell me when clients call me i'm a big kibosh oh i'm so happy with how everything goes on okay don't be happy for so long Okay. Microsoft hit a $3 trillion valuation over artificial intelligence. And I understand Microsoft might want to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of AI. But boy, stories have a way of really making you rich or making you broke. And you got to be this investor somewhere reasonable in between these two extremes. And I think it's going to be very difficult. I, I, and I say this when, when markets are down, right, Danny? It's yeah. the same kind of premise when skies are blue and the water is quiet. Well, I think you just need to know yourself and understand what the overall goal for portfolios are. I mean, what's your objective? Mm-hmm. What are we trying to accomplish here? And don't benchmark necessarily to that high watermark of what that portfolio is, or not even your necessarily your portfolio, but even the S&P 500. Yep. Because too many times we, we benchmark to once particular index and while that gives us a very good barometer like how are our stocks doing what's going on we also need to get an understanding you know what are you invested in you know diversification has been has struggled over the last year or so especially with the big run in tech where that has been the big driver now you know we've talked about how much you know we, we gained some optimism over the last couple of months because things were participating better but back over the last two weeks it has been nothing but tech Right, that, it's like the same, I know, it's like the same story. We, Not the last two months of last year, right, where we saw this broadening out. Correct. But we're, now we're back to the Magnificent Seven, or is it six? Eh, six, <laughs> seven. Depends on the day, right? Depends on the day. So as an investor, to Danny's point, you got to understand what you're saving for and match that, what kind of returns you're looking for long-term based on the, the amount you need or the percentage return you need to hit a goal. Yep. 
And if Wall Street's already, if the target's already hit for many Wall Street estimates, you have to understand there's a lot of froth in this right now, even though the story can run. And that's fine. I love it. I mean, to me, this is great. I mean, I can, I can be happy about it, but I also know it's fleeting. I don't have this recency bias that what's happening today is going to extrapolate forever into the future. I can't. I can't have it. Not allowed to. We're not allowed to. No. Well, when we get back, we're going to continue the conversation about how giddy everybody is. <laughs> Here on Financial Fitness Friday. Not about radio stocks. We're not talking about those. Sorry, Brent. Sorry, Brent. CB radio, maybe. But that's it. 10 4, good buddy. We'll see you on the flip flop. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com looking for clarity for your investments in the new year you must attend our 2024 economic summit navigating markets in a presidential cycle featuring greg valier trump will be a big presence the bigger story in my opinion is how weak joe biden is going to be is the fed finished tightening liquidity i think is underestimated will rates ease this summer states are still flush with cash they haven't spent all their money from the pandemic relief bill. How will the election affect your investments? I don't see any political figure right now who can bring the country conclusively back together again. Register now for our 2024 Economic Summit, Navigating Markets in a Presidential Cycle, featuring Greg Valier with special guest Adam Taggart, plus Michael Lebowitz and Lance Roberts, Saturday, January 27th at the Hotel Celeste Houston. Navigating Markets in a Presidential Cycle, featuring Greg Valier, Saturday, January 27th at the Hotel Celeste Houston. Registration open now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. There I was at 4.30 in the afternoon checking all my emails, and it was quiet. And I was like, this is nice. And they all rolled in today. Oh, that was Microsoft Outlook. You are going to kill me. I'm like, what was I? What was I like? Did I space out between like one o'clock and four o'clock? No. I'm like, this is so nice. It's like Christmas. <laughs> oh, now it's like the nightmare before Christmas. So what do you do with all your spare time? It was nice. I was going through my red. T- I was going through my CRM. I was cleaning stuff up. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> wow, boy. Dow futures down 21. S&P futures. Yeah, down a smidge. NASDAQ futures. Everything's a smidge. We're smidgy. We're going into this big earnings season here. So uh, the big part of earnings season, right? So we're going to have to see where we're, where we're going to be. Um, that's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be important. I wonder if it's going to be a sell the news for the sexy six, as Brent calls them, not the magnificent seven. 
I wonder if there if it's going to be like, hey, we got to take some profits now because because we're we not hearing anything day, sexy and exciting here. Yeah, one day of potential red, right? Yeah, right. And then we're back off to the AI story again. We're, yeah. we're just. Uh, well, I think that's important for people to put in perspective too. The day to day swings in markets <laughs> aren't necessarily, you know, the end all be all. And I think so many people get so so caught up in just that everyday narrative that oh. It switched this way. And, you know, I use this example often, but years ago I had somebody come in and said, oh, my gosh, look what this guy said. And he was a floor trader. He was always on CNBC. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go just check this guy out. I, you know, he's a well-known name at the time. This was probably 15 years ago. And so I just pulled up everything, all of his headlines. And one day he would tell somebody to, you know, run for the hills. This is terrible. The next day, if you're not in, you're missing out. And I thought, oh, my goodness, if we listen to the narrative and all the information that comes out, you'd have such bad whiplash and portfolios would be so disrupted. You know, it's just difficult yeah. to follow and, and to to have and execute some type of strategy. You know what I will tell you, Danny? You may not remember this, but I think you were probably still in diapers in 2000. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. So one of the things I remember being on the front line in a brokerage firm. Mm -hmm was how Amazon stock and these stocks would trade during the day. It was insane. Yeah. The price moves were insane. And then people would put stop losses in to protect a profit. And then all of a sudden, like... They the, just stopped out and then it jumped right back up? Or Right. Or yeah. they wouldn't... Or it would drop down and would go past their sell point. It whatever Stops and stop limits did not work. Yeah. In the way that everybody wanted them to. It was like riding wild Mustangs. I don't see that kind of, and, and people running in with checks to deposit money because they were going to be the next best thing and the best traders in the world. And I don't, maybe it's not in my face that much anymore because it's on Reddit boards and everything else, but I would roll my eyes every day. Well, but also where uh, you were working. Like you and are, guys are the, playing with fire here. Yeah, but, but you know, you were also at a place that encouraged some of that, right? They wanted people to come in and do. Oh those yeah, types they did. They did investing, but but, but the stock action, yeah. too, it was really insane. It was totally insane. Correct. Every day. I think that's probably why you saw more of it at that time, right? Yeah. Whereas, yeah, but you you think back to then. I mean, that's kind of right when algorithms really got going. So we talk about AI. That's when they were using a lot more of that. Mm -hmm. You know, late '90s, early 2000s. That's kind of the, you know, not the beginning of it by any stretch. But when it was at more disposable mm -hmm. to most people, you know, E-Trade was coming out. People go to stop on a 52-week 52, 52, you know, or, you know, on some moving average, right? 200-day moving yeah. average or 50-day moving average. And they go get stopped out. Everybody's probably experienced it. If you've traded long enough and you're doing that on, on moving averages, mm -hmm. you've been stopped out because algos get you. And then they pop right back up and like, oh, my gosh, it's 10 bucks higher. Yeah. What happened? So if you would place a, like, if you're going to place a trade for Amazon after hours, yeah. you didn't know what the hell was going to happen the next day. Oh, you'd wake like, up and. Like right now, I would, I would still wouldn't do it, but I would be fairly reasonable that if I even put a market order in after hours for the next day, that I'm not going to get a, unless there's earnings coming up, but I'm still not going to get a shock and, a shock and awe yeah. surprise that I would have gotten back then. I don't know if this euphoria gets to that point. You know, if we get to that kind of erratic, erratic behavior, 
like even though this is a, a, euf- a euphoric kind of move in momentum, it seems Lance will kill me for this because I sound probably stupid. It looks sort of orderly to me. It doesn't feel as chaotic as it was. And then a lot of these companies have earnings. I understand yeah. some of these, anything with AI and it may not, but Microsoft, you know, you have companies here that have been well-established around a long time. I, you know, they have cash flow, some of them. They, you know, they're, they're viable. They're not like toys.com or there's no stupid dog puppet trying to promote pets.com or whatever. It just seems that we may not be at the top of the euphoria yet. But you're in the stage of it. Maybe you're in the earlier stage of it. And that's just my gut just doing this for over 32 years. So I'm trying to, you know, help everybody understand that I remember the dot-com issue very, very clearly. Um, I also remember advising, and I got in trouble because the firm I was with, you're not allowed to give advice. You just take orders and stuff. And I would tell clients, listen, you're crazy. I would sell, I would take these profits now. And I would go buy bonds, 9% on tax freeze. What? You're a jerk. You're an idiot. Why would I do that? I want to be rich. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. Let me show you stuff that happened during the Depression. And that's when I started reading all the books about the Depression and the stocks that did well beforehand, right? All the rate, the stocks for radio and television and, you know, all these new things that eventually the market digests and just doesn't. It's just part of the deal. It's like in the water now. It's no big deal. It's just part of the big pool. Yeah. No big deal, right? But but does, so, don't you think this feels different though? It because does. like you know you, you look at yeah. like Robert Schiller talks about you know narrative economics or irrational exuberance. Yeah, great books and, and yeah, great fantastic books. books. And I think mm-hmm. they're ones that if if you're in the market, you should read these books. He needs to revise that narrative economics yeah. one about how stories catch fire. He needs to do that once this AI thing. He's usually really good at coming out with a book right before the whole thing turns to crap. So whenever his new book comes out, worry. <laughs> you got to worry because that's when the whoop hits the fan. But, so but, but, you know, but it doesn't feel like that right now. No, it I mean, doesn't. Do you, do you feel that or since that with talking to different people? If you're asking anecdotally and just from feeling and talking to people, no. I, I like agree with you. There's more caution out there. Like, okay, it's, it's like as, this, yeah, it's more, this last year, I, I get yeah, it. You know, indexes yeah. looked good, but yeah. I, I understand the narrative behind it and what happened. And, and I know that it wasn't everything that just did great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like coming into this year, there's maybe a little bit more, I'm not going to say pessimism, but I think just cautious. You know, people saying, okay, you know, where do we go? What do we do? BS crazy. Yeah. Like they were through that period. I know. I, that's what I'm trying to say is I feels more orderly. Yeah. I don't see people getting wrapped up into the euphoria as much as markets are. And maybe it's because we also deal with clients that have, who have seen cycles. They've lived through them. Um, but even my younger clients, my gen, my millennial clients, they're, they are not in that euphoric kind of state. So, yeah, it does feel different. It does feel like this can go on. To me, the cocaine bear in the Goldilocks room is absolutely the Fed. I just don't see these rate cuts. I don't see aggressive rate cuts. Actually, Ken Rogoff wrote this article, like, if you see six rate cuts, you're, uh, you're a baddie. You're, like, losing your mind. 
Okay, this is not going to happen. I totally agree with that. Larry McDonald was on the, on the air the other day. I really like his analysis. And he's like, listen, it's just not feasible. It doesn't, you know, unless there's something that comes out of the blue, there's just no reason here for the Fed to lower rates. Yeah, you got to have that exogenous event, as Lance would say. Yeah. To, to really make them or spark them to, to really speed this up. And right. then, look, it could happen. It could. I mean, listen, there's, a, there's tremendous... Not that geopolitical risk lasts long on markets, but there is tremendous ge- there is tremendous geopolitical risk out there more than I've seen doing this, from my experience. We've got domestic political risk. I, that's I mean, what I mean. You know, we've like got all kinds of crazy you know, it's, stuff it's, going on right now. It's the winter in the fourth turning. If you haven't read the fourth turning, or well, the fourth turning is here, you must scary. read those two books. If you want to be depressed all weekend, yeah, which I usually read. like to. I revel in that. So. Um, the fourth turning is here, actually, will give you a whole good outlook of the, give you a background of the fourth turning. So you don't even need both books. So it's Neil Howe and who's the other? Oh, guy, I always forget the other guy. He's yeah. a great guy. Why do I always forget the other guy? I'm sorry. You're both great writers. It's a great book. Yeah. Um, so pick that up if you really want to feel warm and fuzzy. Well, uh, and, and <laughs> really what they're talking about more are economic cycles and not just economic, but even you know, just like Poli- what just cycles through. of cultures yeah. as they move through. It's not a political book. It's not a partisan book. It's just more of, hey, this is what happens. You're going to feel like the whole. And when you're in the winter, it's like the whole foundation of what you know is going sh- is shifting underneath you. And boy, that's what it feels like. So you have that risk. You have the risk that the Fed doesn't cut rates. The market's way ahead. Listen, if you if the market stopped. Right now, if these AI stocks stopped getting returns and churned sideways for the rest of the year, you should be damn happy. But would you be? No, but you should be. And we get back. We're going to talk about tax act changes. You must know and should know. You better know for 2024 and beyond. We'll be right back. Life is an illusion. Can't you see that love is everywhere? Into the confusion Can't you hear the sound that's in the air? investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com one of the responsibilities of your advisor your financial planner is to keep up with what's going on that's going to affect your tax situation and you all brawl lifestyle in retirement um so the secure act is probably the one of the greatest retirement reform legislations i've seen in a long time we had the first secure act then we got 2.0 we've written about all the different changes some will not occur this year but there are a few that are now there's a vision of them they're coming to fruition And one of them is the fact that the original SECURE Act raised the retirement age 
required minimum age from 70 and a half to 72. And then Secure Act 2.0 raised it to 73. And then it'll be 75, I think by 2033, Danny? Yeah, 2033. So people are having to trying to figure it out because they still got 70 and a half in their head, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a changing number. Now, you would think this is a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing because it allows more money to build up pre-tax in your pre-tax bubble, right? Especially if markets continue to do what they do. And you might be shocked. Matter of fact, Danny, I'm thinking if you have been taking RMDs or you did turn 72 in 2023, right? And you're going to now have, you, and you're going to take your required minimum distributions, at age 73, actually, if you turned 72 in 2022, right, you had your RMDs in 2023. So your number, because it's going to be based on the account balance of your retirement accounts as of 12 will be higher, are going to be much higher than you may have expected, which means you're going to have a greater RMD this year than you were probably thinking. See, I look at this as like the glass half full because okay. it gives did you, you say more half time. ass full. No, I mean, I did not, but okay, I mean, okay. we want to go there. No, go ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get Brent laughing at least once. Oh, man. No, but but this gives people a little bit more time. Now, here's it, the here's it, the problem it with does. It, it does. is that most people should have started way earlier in the sense of, you know, the old school thought is, you know, conventional so, wisdom is that kill you in this, in this you, you drop, you don't take any distributions from that IRA until you get to your RMDs. Right. And we think that's not the best advice. No, typically. no, no. Listen, sometimes it's, that may work. There are, 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 there are RMDs. They're Rosso Ratliff MDs. Yeah. But that it needs different. to be done prior. That's so, the RRMD. And so this is where it gets really important to understand, right. you know, understand tax brackets, understand IRMA, mm -hmm. you know, Medicare premium surcharges if you make too much, understanding Social Security taxation. And, and these are all back pocket taxes, as we like to call them, but there will be more likely in the future. Mm -hmm. These brackets may condense. Things may change where you're going to be more likely to be drawn into these. And so this is where we need to, to start thinking a little bit differently and say, okay, what can we do now? prior to RMDH to give yourself more flexibility and more control? Is it the Roth conversion or is it just taking distributions at a younger age, taking advantage of a current tax code that may be more advantageous than one that we'll see in the future? Yes. And so this is where, you know, don't just, you know, say, oh, well, I don't have to do anything. I'm going to wait. Because that's great because the government says I can. Yeah. You can. A, yeah, you can. And you may have higher taxes. You may pay more. So remember, it's not just about, you know, what you're doing in the market. And that's where I think so many people get caught up on it. But it's also mm -hmm. about how do you keep more money in your pocket from Uncle Sam? Yes. Especially when you're retired and you're not an earnings machine anymore, right? Yeah, but that, there's a rate of return associated with that that yeah. I think nobody, and most people do not think about. Absolutely not. So it's not the RMD. Don't think I'm not using this tomorrow. It's the RRMD. There you go. You start pricking that pre-tax bubble before RMDs and the government forces you to either to pay your living expenses as a bridge to taking Social Security later or converting to Roth 
or just socking some of the money away in an after-tax brokerage. <clears throat> you can craft it before the government forces you to. You can say, I'm going to take about this amount more out and I'm going to manage it within my tax brackets because I don't know about you, Danny. I think I know how you feel about this, but you know the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, no matter who's in, that mm -hmm. thing is sunsetting. I, I cannot imagine that these generous and 22 and 24% brackets are going to remain. But now that they're here, you should be taking your RMD. So I have a client that says, hey, I got to take my RMD. I gave her the number. She goes, oh, that's pretty high. I said, but, okay, yeah. but here's where your taxes are. You want to consult your tax advisor, but here's where your taxes are. I suggest you take another 20000 She goes, what? Yeah, we're going to take another twenty, and we're going to place it in your brokerage. Or you have no emergency savings reserve. We're going to put it into a high-yield savings account and build it up. And I explained to her why. And she goes, I've never heard this before. So that's what you, to Danny's point, you want to do. It's the RRMD. Yeah, and I think I'm gonna, it's a, I'm going to work that to death, Brent. I'm going <laughs> to... Pound that to Can we go get that trademark? Like AI. Yeah. Yeah. R-R-M-D-A-I dot AI. That's it. But, you know, it, it is a foreign concept to me, and I think it takes a long time for people to really wrap their head around it. You know, until we talk about Roth conversion yeah. and how many people, yeah. you know, like, well, I love the idea, but I hate paying taxes. But you got to think, you're going to pay taxes regardless. What's the old saying? The only things that are certain in this world are death and taxes. Yeah, like so, you really own your house when you pay it off. Yeah. but 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 even then... Yeah. Do you do you pay taxes? Do you, you know? Are you just paying taxes on these funds, or will your children pay taxes on these funds? Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to have a legacy intent, you know, we may want to think about it differently. Maybe you want that Roth, especially now. We're talking about all the changes. Mm -hmm. You know, we also have a change with requirement of a distributions for non-spousal beneficiaries. That's right, big change, huge. Used to be they could take it over their lifetime. Now they have to take it all out within a ten-year time frame. So they may be in their peak earnings years while you pass. So we have this great legacy intent. Maybe we need to rethink on how do we pass these funds on and what type of vehicle, so to speak. So Danny, you know, they should have called this the J.G. Whiteworth Secure Act because it's all about needing money now. Yeah. Remember where was people talking to us about years ago, the Roth is in trouble. No, it's not. The Roth is the best thing that ever happened to the government because everything's after tax. So, all this act, the whole theme of this Secure Act 2.0 is more Roth. Pay me now. And, and, and cutting life expectancy calculations for your non-spousal beneficiaries. It, it's not for pre-tax. So higher catch-up contributions is also part of the Secure Act. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is huge, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? So first of all, it goes from 7,500 in 2023 to 10,000 for taxpayers age 60, 61, 62, 63. We got to make it complicated, right? But there's a, but there's a catch. Mm -hmm. What's that catch? Well, we're going to talk about the catch in a second. So, and also they're going to start through, they're actually going to adjust the catch up provisions for regular IRAs. You know, if you say you put money into an IRA outside. Yeah. But the catch is, <clears throat> not going to happen right now it's going to happen i think in 2026 i just think because the mechanism can't be in place oh they yeah yeah never whatever mind. yeah i know what you're saying mm -hmm. you make you work your gross income or you modified it to just did gross income not much different than your gross income is a hundred and more than a hundred and forty five thousand dollars per year 
and you want to make your catch-up contributions. Guess what the government's going to do? What are they going to do to us, Danny? What's the catch? Well, the catch is all of those contributions will now have to be put into a Roth 401k. Like heck you say. <laughs> so what does that mean? That means you're going to be taxed now. And great, you get the ability to, to utilize these I funds like later. I like this act, though. Well, I do too, but what I they're like doing, if you notice, is that they are picking on higher income earners. They are. And lower income earners, they're likely not going to max, max out that catch-up anyway. contribution on top of exactly the regular 401k match, or not match, excuse me, contribution. Mm -hmm. So they're picking on people that are most likely able to do so, but they're also in, in higher tax brackets. So they want those funds now versus later. So last summer, the IRS granted an administrative um, transition period that extends until 2026 for the new requirement. I, for one, for instead of us having to tell everyone to take your medicine, yeah. now the government's going to have you do it. If you're going to, so some people go, I'm not going to make my catch-up contribution. Well, that's wrong. R wrong. You want to go ahead and make it, and but it, to Danny's point, it's going to be taxed, right? So this $10,000 in additional catch-up contribution that you would make, per se, that usually would go into your pre-tax is now going to go to your Roth. But you should have a Roth bucket of money. That's what we've been preaching all these years. But you're going to get it, whether you want it or not. <laughs> J.G. Wentworth. Well, and, and so, you know, I think now another I got question you get head. a lot of times, though, Rich, is like, yeah. okay, I'm too old to start the Roth. Do <laughs> you hear that? Like, yes. I shouldn't start it now because, I can't make you know, I'm, I'm about to retire yeah, and there's, there's no sense in this. And I've got the five-year rule. And I think a lot of people misinterpret the five-year rule as well. I'm like, what that actually means when funds move to the Roth, the five-year seasoning, so to speak, or from the 401k, Roth 401k to a Roth IRA, getting a really good understanding about that. We can maybe broach that we'll topic that. a little bit on this side of the break. So we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Grandma Russell would have loved the Roth. That's for you, JP. I love the Roth. It's just so good. And no money to the government. They no good. It's Grandma Rossi. I can be bigger, bigger meatballs. Grandma Ross has been in hibernation for a while. <laughs> Sounds a little different. She okay? She's not good, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> She's not good at all. Uh, there's some meme out there, like with an Italian grandmother, and she's got this meatball the size of, like, um, a meteor. 
achievement. So this is they uncovered the famous World War II weapon that Italians used. It's like instead of a cannonball, it's a meatball. A big meatball. The biggest meatballs I've ever had was this restaurant in Las Vegas, this Italian restaurant. And they came out and they go, Oh yeah, I'll take the meatball. I'm like, it's a bowling ball. Like, what's what am I How much was that? It's like 20 bucks. It wasn't that expensive, but I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Man. It's our, it's our special recipe. I'm like, I'm going to die after I eat this. So um, we still have room tomorrow at the hotel. Is it the Hotel Royal Sinesta? Hotel Royal Sinesta? The Royal Sinesta. Royal Sinesta. It is the Royal Sinesta. On the West Loop. It's room for navigating markets in a presidential cycle. And Greg Valliere is one of the best speakers on this topic. I mean, it's great that Lance will be there and Adam Taggart and Mike uh, Leibowitz. That's great. Got a great forum there. But, you know, the topics that Greg's going to discuss, the way he looks at um, politics is very unique. And it's actually weird, very sane. Just looks at the data, gives you what he thinks. Very good. Um, so you would be very impressed if you'd like to come. We still have just a few tickets left. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Sign up. We'll see you there. We'll all be there. Breakfast in the morning. Box lunch. We'll have a panel. Q&A. From a lot of good things about the economy. I think Lance has put together a really cool presentation. Yeah, he has. Matter of fact, he might have to cut it back a bit. Otherwise, we might be there for a very long time. Because <laughs> he is the chart man. And when he's got to do one of these presentations, he rips off his shirt and he's got that big C on his chest. Like, calm it down there, buddy. We don't need 30,000 slides. So he's very excited. Three revisions. Three revisions to it. I guarantee there'll be a fourth. <laughs> you, you Something know. will happen he's today working he's going to be he, like, oh my gosh, this chart It just is, came out today. Uh, this chart is amazing. Or, or it, it doesn't make any sense anymore. So we're going we're gonna to redo this. Yeah. So Brent, you think you have what you need. I guarantee you it's going to look a little different. I still say on his gravestone he needs a chart with just an arrow pointing down. Like maybe the stock of Wayfair chart or something. Like, I'm down here, buddy. My my moving averages have crossed and I have crossed over. It'll be the chart of his life. The chart of the endless chart life. Mm-hmm. Chart man. So uh I always had this idea of this caricature shirt of Lance. Like yep. you know like the Jerry Lewis telethon, you had that but it's Lance and then there was like a chart, some sort of chart pattern that he was within. While writing the chart, like I thought that would have been a great shirt. We need to make shirts so we can make some money. Yeah, shirts, twelve bucks. Anybody a want shirt. a Lance shirt? Or I wear mug? that. Chart man. Lance bobblehead. <laughs> See, I would just do it to harass him. <laughs> Listen, but you know, it would be. It had to be like a caricature. I yeah. tried to buy. I tried to get a Lance puppet because I really want. Oh, I did too. They're like they're like seven hundred dollars. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Just but don't I'm, tell them it's but Lance. I, but I'm really thinking of forking it over. No, it's like to personalize oh. it. And they sent me a picture. Yeah. It looks just like him. Well, you could just buy the Ken Fisher one. I mean, they look the same. Uh, ooh. Like, I didn't oh, say that. Lance. Lance, I didn't say that. I did. Hey, buddy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
You got another ten years. I feel a greater. Like I feel maybe a, fifteen. He's got another thirty. <laughs> Boy, he looks like lurch. man. You're kissing up today. No, but I mean, he doesn't look like lurch. You rang. <laughs> he doesn't look like male. Uh, I'm oh, gonna get grief for this one for a bit. Sure are. Uh, um, it's worth it. Yeah, so we still have tickets for tomorrow. It'll be a great event. I understand it's Saturday morning, but the weather will be better. We won't be underwater on the no. We don't need Noah's Ark to come in. Um, and traffic will be okay because it's before you get into the Galleria, before you get into the hell, which I call the Galleria. Um, you know, and it's a nice hotel. It's really nice. So I think it'll be. Uh, you'll really enjoy it. So we were talking about the Secure Act. So. Um, you were talking about something, Danny. What was the catch we were going to talk about on the way back? Well, Roths ah. in general, like what the rules surrounding a Roth are. You know, I think that when we get to somebody, especially when they're getting close to retirement, mm-hmm. they get a lot more apprehensive about utilizing a Roth oh, or a Roth conversion right. That's right. because of the five-year rule. Yes. And I think it's so misinterpreted so often that they think that, okay, I put these funds in, I can't touch them for five years. In general, that should be the idea because really what we're utilizing these funds for should be <laughs> You know, legacy planning or planning when we do need to make distributions and pull from areas that are going to keep our taxes in a lower bracket. Well, it's also the break even, right? Because I have to pay taxes from an outside source. So if I convert $50,000, say, from my IRA to my Roth, I don't want to have taxes taken from it. I want to move 50000 over, which means I need to pay the taxes. So sometimes, like you said, Danny, some people will go, gosh, I'm not going to live long enough to break even for the taxes I've paid. But to your point, it's a legacy tool. And if you're going to, you know, longevity is in your family or you're going to live a long time in retirement, I still believe you will benefit, especially if tax rates change. Irma changes on mm-hmm. Medicare side, Social Security. Listen, those taxes, those Irma tables, to your point, Danny, I think they're going to get squeezed and they're going to inflation index them, which I'm surprised. But I, th- I think eventually you're going to find a way to tax more and more people or charge additional yeah. charges on top of the base premium. Or the base premium still goes up by 7 to 10% a year inflation. That's what it'll do. Right now it's up around 6% on Part B. So that break even could be very different if you're not just looking at your life expectancy expectancy as Danny's talking about, but that of your non-spousal inheritors. Because all you're going to do is push them into a higher bracket. So what a lot of parents are doing is saying, I'll pay the taxes on this so that there's more of a legacy that goes to my children. And even though they might have to take the Roth out at the same time over 10 years, it's all tax-free. But you know, I think that sometimes... You know, we, we look at these charts and we can mm-hmm. do a comparison and say, well, here's your break-even point. Uh-huh. And, and most of the time we just look at it from a dollar amount perspective. But what we don't do is say, okay, well, here's where the dollar amount is different. But then if you have everything that's pre-tax and everything that's after-tax on the other side of the ledger, that after-tax you're not paying taxes on. Because that's growing tax-free inside that Roth. That's right. Whereas the other one, we've got to factor in what tax bracket will you be in? What's your effective tax rate? <laughs> and then there's a hypothetical about what are the taxes? Are we, do we have higher taxes in the future? Right. Nobody knows. I think we see where things are going. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's interesting that the narrative has always been from so many people that Roths will go away. They're going to come back and they're going to tax those funds. (laughs) Where 
you know, you got to think about politicians in general. They're thinking about today, not tomorrow. Exactly. Well, sometimes that, that's the case. Well, for but, the most part, they are. And if I'm looking on, if I'm on the farm, I've got one fatted calf. That's pre-tax. Why am right. I tackling a little Roth? Well, there's not a, nowhere near as much money in Roth. Well, but so the threat is your pre-tax money. That's right. And that's what the Secure Act 2.0 is showing you that. Well, then they'd want to incentivize you to push towards that Roth because then you have to pay taxes right now. Right. And, you know, the old narrative is that you're going to retire and you're going to, you're going to be in a much lower tax bracket. And let me tell you, that is not <laughs> the not case true. many, many times. Most of the time it's not. Yeah. I mean, when I started in this business, that was plausible. And people would go ahead and actually you would even tell people to go ahead and take their Social Security early and put it into the market because – you know, they were going to have all this money growing, and then mm-hmm. they still were going to have lower taxes in retirement. But that's not the case. Even for people with moderate means, I don't see them falling into the lowest bracket. Yeah. I mean, unless they're living exclusively on Social Security and a smaller stipend, I just, we don't see it. And again, we deal with people, all income ranges, all asset ranges. People that have 150000 people that have $12 million. It, it doesn't matter. It's very tough, especially when you consider taxation on Social Security, especially 50 cents, 85 cents on the dollar, that you're going to fall into the lowest tax bracket. Yeah. It, so it, these it, are the things that you have to definitely consider. So the Secure Act also has, now you know there's an RMD penalty. So if you miss your RMD, it used to be that you would have to pay 50% of what you didn't take out in penalty. And I will tell you, yeah, sometimes, you know, your tax professional could write a letter saying, you know, my, my client was confused. But for the most part, you were, you were stuck to it. So now it's going to go to 25%. But the penalty can be lowered to 10% if the missed R&D is made up in a timely fashion or proved to be an accident. But I will tell you what the caveat to the IRS is what they're saying is you're going to pay that penalty no matter what. Well, they're going to impose it and be much stricter on it. Where in the past, they They have not been nearly as strict on that. Correct. All right. That's all we got for today, everyone. So great to be with you. Hope Hope to see you guys tomorrow. Hope we see you tomorrow. If not, you also will... Well, Lance will be back on Monday. Have a good weekend.